you can open to Mark the ninth chapter if you would. Mark chapter nine. You know, uh, it was said in the announcements there, but once a year, Diane and I like to take a service and especially thank everyone who volunteers here at Summit Church. Um, and we try to appreciate you every week, but once a year we take a service and especially do it. And uh, so that's what we're going to do today. Well, some interesting things in the Bible about volunteers, as we'll see. In uh, Mark, the ninth chapter, 33rd verse, Jesus comes to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, he asked his disciples, what was it that you disputed among yourselves on the road? In other words, what were you guys arguing about? Can you imagine Christians arguing with one another and disputing? <laughs> Much less the twelve disciples. They were arguing and disputing, debating. Verse 34, they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. Can you imagine that? Who's the greatest? And they argued about this more than once. Actually, they argued about this at the Last Supper. If you, if you read the Gospel accounts, you'll see that at the Last Supper, the disciples are arguing about who is going to be the greatest. And notice in verse 35, Jesus sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, or we could say to be great, he shall be last of all, and what? Servant of all. Servant of all. Servant of all. The way God sees things is a whole lot different than the way the world sees things. Even the way the church world looks at things, God sees things totally different than the way the church world even looks at things. You know, in the, in, in, what do you mean in the church world? Well, a lot of times we think that the people that are up here on the stage are more important than the people that vacuum the carpets. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. A lot of times we think that the pastor is more important than the person that, that greets at the door. Absolutely not. You know some of the greatest people in the church are the children's church workers. You understand that? And uh, that's the way God looks at things. Unfortunately, you know, human beings, even born-again, spirit-filled human beings, don't look at it that way. They look at the person that's on the television screen or the person that's on the radio or in, in the pulpit or whatever. They, you know, those are the most important people. You, you need to understand the people that are on television or that stand up here that you're looking at, they could not do what they're doing if there wasn't people behind the television camera. Huh? Is that, is that right? Volunteers make a ministry what it is. People behind the scenes make a ministry what it is. Now, thank God for the people who are behind the tele, who, who, are, who are on the television screen or in the pulpit. Thank God for those people. But those people couldn't do what they do if uh, it wasn't for the people behind the scenes. How many of you ever, nobody in here watches football, do, do you? Or sports. But you know, like football, Super Bowl. Most people can relate with that. And so we watch the Super Bowl. But you, you have to realize, you know, you, you hear of the, you know the sportscasters' names, many, many people do. You know, Jim Nance, anybody ever hear of him? Or Joe Buck, or, 
you know, but do you realize they could not do what they do if it wasn't for the audio? All the audio man has to do is hit a button and you can't hear Joe. Is that right? Is that right? Or the TV, you know, there's something goes wrong with the TV and, and those those cameras they've got going back and forth. I mean, all that has to operate are the, the people that you see can't do what they do. Uh, I've always thought, like on a football team, you know, I mean, who gets all the glory on the football team? Now, who gets all the glory? It's the quarter back. Is that right? I mean, that's that's given. Sometimes some running backs get some glory, maybe a wide receiver. But you know those linemen up there, those big guys? Just about nobody knows who they are. But the quarterback knows who they are because if it wasn't for them, the quarterback is going to get absolutely creamed every play. Is that right? You know what I mean when I say creamed? I mean run over? Because he needs those linemen there, doesn't he? And so, so nobody knows pretty much who the linemen are. But Tom Brady, you know, I know who he is. You know who he is? Do you not know who he is? He, he, he's a quarterback for the uh, Patriots, isn't he? I'm going to have to pray for you people. <laughs> Be that as it may. But, but, so we know who Tom Brady is, but, but I can't tell you any of the linemen's names. That, you know what I mean? And you know what? We're going to see this in the Bible. How many ever heard of the Apostle Paul? You ever heard, hear of him? You've heard of him. Now, if you haven't ever heard of him, we really have to pray. How many ever heard of Jesus? You heard, heard of him? Okay. Alright, if you hadn't heard of him, you're in bad trouble. It's going to be hot for you one of these days. Is that right? But you know, even with Jesus though, let's talk about, well, with Jesus. Jesus, okay, I can do Peter, James, and John. There's three of the twelve. Bartholomew, Nathaniel. Can we get the, I mean, can we get them all? We can get the reindeer, dasher, dancer, but can we get the twelve disciples? I mean, think about it. John, I mean, you know, we know John, we know Peter, but we don't know these other guys. With Paul, there's a bunch of people we're going to look at. We don't know, we've never heard of them yet, they're in the Bible. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to tell you that if it wasn't for the people that nobody really knows about, the people you know about couldn't do what they do. Billy Graham, how many's ever heard of him? Great Crusades, probably one of the greatest evangelists has ever been, but he could not do what he does if it wasn't for those thousands of volunteers that volunteer in his meetings. And the choir that he has. Don't you love that choir singing, Just As I Am? And, and, and the power of God, the anointing of God comes on that. I start crying. Even though I'm saved, I start crying anyway when I get saved all over again. I mean, it's just the power on that choir. I don't know any of those people's names. Did you know God knows every one of those people? Did you know and, and, and Billy Graham needs those people there to do what he does. Joyce Meyer, anybody ever heard of her? Wonderful, great, wonderful, fantastic ministry right here in the area. They've been such a blessing to us. You know, uh, but she couldn't do what she does if she didn't have those 800 or so employees doing what they do. Not counting the volunteers that she has at her, at her meetings. So, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that volunteers... Are important. Let me read from my notes here, just so I don't miss anything. When God looks at who is the greatest, He does not look at it the way the world looks at it. He does not look at who is in the limelight or who is famous. And by the way, fame, fame can be a curse. Did you know that? How many of you know that's true? God looks at who is serving, and more particularly, who is serving on a volunteer basis, freely, without pay or any compensation. 
No significant ministry can happen apart from the great people who volunteer. It is clear to me that Jesus' ministry, I've already said it, but I want to say it again, His ministry could not have functioned properly without volunteers. Churches cannot function properly. This church can't function properly without volunteers. Acknowledging and thanking the great people of the kingdom of God, the volunteers, is, is very scriptural, as we'll see. It's something the Apostle Paul did on numerous occasions, is the Spirit of God used him to pen nearly two-thirds of the New Testament. And so let's look at a, a few of these people that, that, that you probably never heard of, but Paul knew who they were. They were people that volunteered and worked with him. Notice Romans, the 16th chapter in the first verse. Let's go there. Romans 16 and 1. He says... Romans uh, chapter 16, verse 1, he says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centuria. I suppose that's how you say that. But, and he's commending her. That you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. And assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed she has been a, watch this, she's been a helper of many. And of myself also. Phoebe was very important. Most people's never heard of her. But there she is. Why doesn't somebody help me here today? You want to help me, Diane? Keep a count of how many people we have here. Phoebe is one. Now then the next, verse 3, he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila. This was a husband-wife team. That work with Paul. So now how many do we have? Three. My fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Who risk their own necks for my life. To whom not only I give thanks. But also all the churches of the Gentiles. And then in verse 6. He says greet Mary. Who labored much for us. And then verse 9. Greet Urbanus. I'm glad I'm not named that. But our fellow worker in Christ. And then verse 12. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. Well, if you ever have twin girls, there you've got some names right there. And some commentaries say these were sisters. I don't know if they were or not. They may have been. But greet Tryphena and Tryphosa who labored. Watch this. They labored in the Lord. See, they labored for the Lord. They served the Apostle Paul. They labored in the Lord. They served the Apostle Paul, but the way God looks at it is laboring in the Lord. Greet the beloved, look at that, the beloved Persis, Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Who labored much in the Lord. So how many are we up to now? Eight. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 17. The Apostle Paul writes and he says, I'm glad about the coming of Stephanus, Forchanus, and Achius. Now if you have triplets, there you've got some names for them. Now notice, for what was lacking on your part they supplied. Uh, let me just say this here as it pertains to volunteers. One thing we've, we've noticed over the years is that just in pastoring, not only in this church, but in other churches, as we've talked to pastors, so, sometimes folks, and this is, not, this, this is not a put down message here today, this, I try never to preach those, 
You know, even when God has a corrective message, it, his ultimate goal is to lift people up. Did, did you know that? Uh, but, you know, if, if I've said this for years. God has a local church for everybody, and God has a pastor for everybody in that local church. You understand that? And I've said this for years, and it's the truth. You aren't supposed to choose your pastor or your church. God's supposed to choose that for you. Did, did you understand and one thing I've learned in many, doing this many, 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 many years, most people don't choose. Most people choose their own church and their own pastor for a variety of reasons. Did you hear what I just said? I'm going to go there because I like the worship, or because I like the children's church, or because I, you know, like this or like that. Now you should go somewhere because the Holy Ghost told you to go there. What do you mean the Holy Ghost told me? Well, you move to a new area, you start scouting out the land, you go, you know, go to different churches, but then when you walk into that one where there's peace, peace, wonderful peace, how can you know that's your church? By what? Hearing an audible voice? No. Peace, peace, right on the inside. Do you hear what I, do you hear that? And that's where you go. And you stay there until the Holy Ghost tells you to go somewhere else. You don't, you, don't, you don't stay there until the pastor preaches a message you don't like. Or until he steps on your toes with the Word of God. You stay there through thick and thin until the Holy Ghost directs you to, to do something else. Did you hear what I just said? And in that local church, God has something for you to do in that local church. Some assignment. Do you understand that? Some assignment. But what, what, what we've noticed over the years is that some people don't do that. And so other people have to pick up the slack, and then some people get worn out serving. Did you hear me? And other folks aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. But you know, if everybody found out where their church is, who their pastor is, they came, they were faithful, and they got involved, and they, they hooked in, and they did what the Lord was telling them to do, there wouldn't be a burden on anybody. Can you say amen? So Stephanus, Forchanus, Achius, or however you say that, for what was lacking on your part, they supplied. Notice verse 18. Now, now notice what good volunteers do, do for, for pastors, for ministers. For they refreshed my spirit. Now, very few people have ever heard of Stephanus, Forchanus, and Achius. Many of you probably didn't even know they was in the Bible until till just right now. But Paul knew who they were, for they what? They refreshed his spirit. And then he said, therefore, acknowledge such men. Did he ever acknowledge a woman? Yeah, we started out with, what was her name? Start with a P. Phoebe. So acknowledge men and women that, that, that refresh a man of God or a woman of God's spirit. They refreshed my spirit. Acknowledge them. They were great blessing to the Apostle Paul. Look at Acts the ninth chapter. Go there. Verse 26. And when Saul, you know, who, who became Paul, he got saved and became Paul, had come to Jerusalem. This is Acts 9.26. They tried... He tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, did not believe that he was a disciple... But Barnabas, now Barnabas, his, his name means son of encouragement. He was an encourager. 
And we all need Barnabases in our lives, encouragers. Barnabas, it means encouragement, took Paul and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how, he, how Paul had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. See, Barnabas stood up for the apostle Paul. This was right after Paul got saved. And he had been persecuting the Christians and all of that. And the the Christians didn't believe he was really got saved and all of that. But Barnabas stood up for him. Isn't it good to have somebody stand up for you? We all need that. And we need to be people like Barnabas. We need to be willing to stand up for people that we have confidence in and that we, we, we you know, we, we ought to stand up for our pastor if somebody's coming against him. Is that right? Is that correct? We, 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 we ought to do that. And that's what Barnabas did. He, he stood up for the Apostle Paul. And then Barnabas became his, his traveling companion. And, of course, as time went on, they, they, they went on that first missionary journey, you know. And then Barnabas had, a, I guess, a nephew. His name was Mark, John Mark, but we call him Mark. And, and, and Mark, it was too hard for him, and so he turned back, and, and the Apostle Paul didn't like that. Did you know the Apostle Paul was just as human as you or me? And, uh, and so Mark forsook him on that first journey, and, and then they were going to go on the second journey, and Barnabas wanted to take Mark, and Paul said no, and Barnabas said yes, and Paul said no. And we have Paul and Barnabas having a heated argument. Do you think Christians would ever get into a heated argument? I brought that up here already once today, didn't I? Did any of you get in an argument on the way over here today? I've watched Christians argue. I've watched them argue like cats and dogs. <laughs> Paul and Barnabas, they got in an argument. But did you know later on, later on, time at many, much time after they had that argument, before the second missionary journey, did you know that Paul spoke well of Barnabas and well of Mark? And uh, he considered Mark very profitable to him in the ministry later on. So what does that show us? That we might have a disagreement with somebody, but how many of you know we can kiss and make up? Is that right? We ought to forgive one another. You don't necessarily have to kiss them, but you ought to make up, okay? And we know that Barnabas was a great blessing to Paul. Mark was a great blessing to Paul. Does anybody know who took over for Barnabas after they, he separated from Paul. It starts with an S. Silas. And you know, Silas was with Paul in that prison situation there in Philippi when the prison shook, you know, and everybody was loosed from their chains. Silas. How many are we up to now? Fourteen people. Wow. Now go to 2 Timothy 4, verse 13. And we've got this man named Carpus. Again, you probably didn't know he was in the Bible. But Carpus, look at 2 Timothy 4.13. As Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, Bring the cloak that I left with who? With Carpus. At Troas, when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Well, somebody had to hold Paul's coat. Who held Paul's coat? It was Carpus. Most people don't know who he is. But now we know he held Paul's coat. Carpus held Paul's coat. I'd be an honor. For me, that would be one of the biggest honors to be able to hold Paul's coat. How about you? I'd hold his coat any day while he got up to preach. Carpus was the man. He held his coat and he also was entrusted with books and parchments. 
which were very precious in that day. You know, you can find a Bible in the United States now just about anywhere, can't you? But back there then, there's a lot of places in the world today you can't. So it was very precious back there. And Carpus was so trusted by Paul that he was allowed to hold Paul's coat and books and parchments. Let's go to Colossians 4.12. Colossians 4.12 talks about a man named Epaphras. Epaphras, who was, a, who was the pastor, actually, of the church in Colossae. And uh, he, he uh, wound up, he, he went up to Rome when Paul was in prison and minist- did some ministry there and helped Paul. But notice in, in Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, who's one of you, it just means he was from Colossae. A bondservant of Christ greets you all, watch this, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. That you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So here this man, Epaphras, he, he was a wonderful man and he was a prayer. He prayed. Did you know that we have people here at Summit Church that they've been, and they've been with us for years and years and years and they've prayed for this church. They've, they've prayed for me and my wife. They've prayed for this church and so forth. And they pray for, for you all when you, when you need prayer and they pray for you when you don't need prayer. Just, Praying all the time. And, and, and nobody probably even knows who's on the prayer teams. But yet they're on there and they're praying. And don't ever forget this. Prayer is the engine that runs the church. Like your car. How many ever looked at a car? And most people, when they go to buy a car, most people, now some men might do this, but most people don't care too much about the engine. Uh, they just want to be sure it's shiny and pretty and, and nobody cares too much what's under the hood. But how many of you know if you don't have a good engine under the hood, you're not going to go too far even though the car is shiny. Is that right? And prayer, and prayer is the engine that runs the church. You don't see it, like you don't see the engine of a car. You don't see it, but it's there and you need it. And so we have a wonderful prayer ministry here that, that, that you're being prayed for on a regular basis. If you want to hook up with that, that you know, just let us know and we'll get you hooked in. But Epaphras was a prayer. Now then look at Philippians 2.25. Philippians 2.25. Let's go there. What is Paul doing? He is honoring his volunteers. He's honoring people that helped him. Now, Epaphroditus, look at this, Philippians 2.25, he said, yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Now, he's talking to the church in Philippi. He says, my brother, that doesn't mean they were natural brothers, as far as I can tell, as brothers in the Lord. Fellow, look at this, fellow worker and fellow soldier. I mean, he went to battle with Paul. You go to battle against the devil, I tell you what, you want to have somebody that will stand with you, like Epaphroditus. A fellow soldier. But your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. See, he was important to the Apostle Paul. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you uh, you had heard he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow and sorrow. Therefore I send him the more eagerly, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and watch as hold such men in what? In what? In esteem. Because for the work of Christ he came close to death. Think about that. For the work of Christ... Thank God for people like Epaphroditus. Thank God for people like Carpus and Epaphras and all these people we've mentioned. 
true heroes in the body of Christ, yet few people have ever, Christians ever heard their name or know who they are. Hold such men in esteem. Notice this, verse 30, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking on your service toward me. So this was a great man, wonderful man. And then we could talk about Luke. This was Paul's, one of his traveling companions. He was a physician. Luke, he can go on our list. Luke, he was a, a physician. He wrote... The gospel, according to Luke, at the direction of the Holy Spirit, he also wrote the book of Acts and chronicles Paul's journeys, you know. He was Paul's personal assistant and secretary. And you know what? Uh, having a doctor around was real good for Paul because Paul got beat up a lot, didn't he? So it was real good to have a doctor around, right? And then, uh, we won't look this next one up, but I think it's at the end of the book of Romans, Tertius, T-E-R-T-I-U-S, T-E-R-T-I-U-S. And he was one of Paul's other secretaries who wrote the epistle of the Romans as Paul dictated it to him. Have you ever looked at the book of Romans? There's a lot of chapters there. I bet Paul was glad he had somebody to write that down for him as the Holy Ghost was giving it to him. And then... We have two other people that we, we could talk about, Timothy and Titus. Now, most people have heard of Timothy and Titus. Timothy was Paul's son in the faith and was perhaps his lead associate. Notice, if you would, Philippians 2, verse 19. Let's go there. Philippians 2, verse 19. And by the way, you want to go to a church where the pastor is continually having you look up scriptures. You, you want that. You really do. So you, you, you should not think of that as being burdensome. I don't think anybody would think that. But in the hour in which we live here in the United States, you know, you look up two, more than one or two scriptures, people get a little nervous. You want to go to a church where the pastor is having you work your Bible. Can you say amen? amen. All right. <clears throat> so Timothy, Paul's son in the faith, look at this, Philippians 2.19, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. That I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I, Now watch this. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own. At this time in Paul's ministry, the people that he had around him at this particular time were not interested in the people. They were interested in other things. They were interested in their own self. They were interested in how they, I'm sure of this, as sure as I can be, they were interested in how they could be seen, how they could be lifted up, how they could glow in the dark, if you will. You know what I mean, glow in the dark? Everybody could see them and and promoting their own ministry, promoting their own self. Didn't really care for the people, cared more for themselves and how they could look successful and how, how they could look shiny and how, how, how they could you know, have everybody think they were something. They seek their own, not the things which are, are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. That's precious, isn't it? And then Titus was another of Paul's sons in the faith. He was a man for tough tasks. The difference between Timothy and Titus, Timothy was a little more, what you'd call a little more gentle and a little more, you know, a little more, you know what I mean, gentle, gentle more of a gentle personality. Titus, on the other hand, was more of a, 
I would say, you know, kind of a bulldog personality. You know what I mean by that? Both of them, wonderful men of God. Timothy was a little more gentle. Titus was a little more, you know, blunt, if you will. And Titus was a man you'd send for tough tasks. If a church was in, in, in an argument or whatever, he could go in there and settle, settle it up and get it going as it should. He was dependable, reliable, and diligent. That's what you want in, in volunteers. Dependability, reliability, diligence. He saw a need and he took care of it. And he stayed in line with Paul's vision. He possessed both strength and tact. And he would calm down, like I said, tough situations. He was a troubleshooter. And look at 2 Corinthians 7, 6. We just have a few more of these. Just hold on here. We'll get them. 2 uh, Corinthians 7, 6. Notice, nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. See, good volunteers will be a comfort to the pastor. And the pastor ought to be a comfort to, to the volunteers. Right? We're here to serve one another as we serve Christ. Amen? Is that right? You can't really serve Christ unless you're submitted to a godly pastor and you're serving that pastor and following him as he follows Christ. Right? And I can't be a good shepherd to you to, to, before the Lord unless I'm being a good shepherd and treating you gently and loving you. You understand? So we need, you need to love me and I need to love you. Is that right? That's a good deal, isn't it? Now look at Colossians 4, 7. Look at this. Now this next guy here, Tychicus. These are some names, aren't they? And Justice. Tychicus and Justice. Colossians 4, 7. Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. Now, now Tychicus, you need, you need to know who he was. He was Paul's chief messenger. He went ahead of Paul and prepared his arrival. Whenever Paul had a meeting coming up in a city or somewhere, Tychicus would go in front of him and, and get it ready for him. Tychicus. Thank God for him. And then verse 11, and Jesus, who, but that's not the Jesus. You know, a lot of people were named Jesus back there then, but they called him Justice. Isn't it really Justice? Now, notice this. These are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. That means they were Jews who became Christians. Now notice this, they have proved to be a what to me? A what? Comfort. Now, as we close here, we're going to close with, with uh, a couple of, we, we had mostly all positive. But Paul did have a few negative. We, we noticed, he mentioned some of them earlier, all seek their own. But look here at 2 Timothy 4.10. He talks about a man named Demas. And this was a fellow laborer with Paul at Rome. But sometime later, Paul had to give a bad report on this guy. I wish it wasn't so. I said, I wish it wasn't so. I wish everything was positive. Don't you wish everything was positive? Don't you wish every day was sunny and, and blue skies and clear? Don't you wish that? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Don't you wish we could just eat glazed donuts and banana splits all the time? Wouldn't that be wonderful? 
2 Timothy 4.10. He says of this man that once labored with him, he said, Demas has what? Has forsaken me or deserted me? Well, if you've ever been deserted by somebody, you're in good company. Because the Apostle Paul got deserted by some people. And you know, there's somebody that last time I looked out ranked Paul. His name was, uh, oh, Jesus. How many likes having that on the back wall? Isn't that good? Jesus. How many of you know people walked away from Jesus by the droves, didn't they? Didn't they? So if you've ever had anybody walk away from you, you are in great company. You're right there with the Lord himself, Jesus, with Paul. Demas has forsaken me. Now look, having loved this present world. You know what's in the world? All that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Demas loved that more than he loved the Lord. And he forsook Paul. And he departed for Thessalonica. And I want you, if you're taking notes, you need to really grab a hold of what I'm saying right now. Think of all that the... Now, did the Apostle Paul accomplish a lot of things? Yes or no? Did he? Think of everything he could have accomplished if everybody that God assigned to him would have stuck with him faithfully. Think about that. Think about that. Now, I want to say it again because I want you to get this. Did the Apostle Paul accomplish a lot of things? Yes, he did. God used him to write nearly two-thirds of the New Testament. Yes, he did. But just think of all of the things he could have accomplished. He reached a lot of places. He went a lot of places and shared the gospel. But just think of all he could have done if the people, if all the people that God had assigned to him would have stuck with him faithfully all through the years. Do you hear me? I can think in, the, in this ministry, there's been lots of people come through here over the last 20 some odd years. And, um, you know, I just think sometimes if, if just all of them that came through that God really did assign here, if they would have, have stuck with us, what, 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 what we could have accomplished more. You know what I'm saying? And I think any pastor could say that. Did you hear me? Just think of all he could have done. Um. Anybody ever hear Kenneth Hagin, Brother Hagin? Good man of God. He's in heaven now. But I remember Doug Jones. Now, a lot of people heard of Brother Hagin, but not many people heard of Doug Jones. If Brother Doug was here, he'd he laugh at that. Not many people heard of him. But he's a very good minister. And, uh, but, but it's true. A lot of more people know about Brother Hagin than Brother, Brother Doug. Brother Doug's been here. He's preached. He's a good friend of mine. And, uh, but... but Brother Doug had worked with Brother Hagin for many, many years. And Brother Doug said this story publicly, so that's why I'm sharing it. He had worked with Brother Hagin for many years. And Brother Doug uh, came to Brother Hagin one day and said, Brother Hagin, I feel like God wants me to go do thus and so. So, uh, Brother Doug left Brother Hagin's ministry and went and did thus and so, whatever he did. He went, I think he went out and pastored or did something for several years. And then Brother Doug knew that that wasn't what he was supposed to be doing. And so he went back to Brother Hagin and said, you know, could I come back to work for you? And Brother Hagin said, surely, surely you can. And then Brother Hagin said this. He said, just before you came and resigned your position several years ago, he said, the Lord had put it on my heart to go do certain other things in ministry. But he said, because... 
you resigned, he said, I was going to step out and do some other things, and you were going to step in and do, Brother Doug was going to step in and do some things that Brother Hagen was doing, and Brother Hagen was going to then step out and do some other things. But he said to Brother Doug, because you, you know, left me, I couldn't, now Brother Hagen wasn't beating him over the head, but he said, Just because you left me, I couldn't go do what I needed to do. But now that you're back, now I'm going to be able to go do what, and you see how that detained what Brother Hagen was supposed to be doing. Can you say amen? Can you see that? Can you see that? So, Brother Hagen, a lot of people heard of him. Less people heard of Brother Doug. But Brother Doug, Brother Hagen's ministry hinged on what Brother Doug did. Did you get that? You need to realize that, that there's things that the Lord may want me to do that hinges on what you do. Or don't do. Do you see what I'm saying? And I'm quite confident in my spirit. We'd be, we'd be further along than what we are if some of the people that God did assign here over the years would have done what they were supposed to do. Now, I'm not laying any problems that I've had off on somebody else, but I'm just saying it's the truth. Do you get one? Do you understand it? And I trust I've never done that to, to anybody. I probably have, or none of us are perfect, but I trust I've never done that to anyone. We just want to be in our place doing what we're supposed to be doing, Right? Is that right? We're graced for a place, aren't we? That's, that's not original with me. I heard somebody else say it, but it rhymes, so it's good. We're graced for a place. So we need to stay in that place so that we can operate in our grace. It's God's grace on us. You okay? How many are we up to now? Because I've only got 23 good ones. And how many? You're not going to put Demas down? <laughs> okay. 2 Timothy 1 will close. Did you get anything out of this today? Just interesting, something a little different. 2 Timothy 1.15 This you know that all those in Asia Ooh, here we go. All those in Asia have turned away from me. So again, if you've had people turn away from you, you're in good company. Because all those in Asia have turned away from me, Paul said. Among whom are, somebody help me now, Phagellus and... Sounds like a milk gone sour, doesn't it? Hermogenes? Okay, close enough. So we're not going to write them down, are we? Okay. And then he says in verse 16, the Lord grant mercy to the household of, I can do this one, Onesiphorus. So I heard somebody else say it one time. And I used to say Onesiphorusy, but it's not that. <laughs> Onesiphorus, you got that? He said, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. So you want to be an apostle. You, wanna, you want the Lord to use you to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul did it in chains, in prison, a lot of it, right? Anyway, but Onesiphorus often, what did he do? He often refreshed Paul. Few people know who Onesiphorus is, but Paul knew who he was. God knows who he is. He often refreshed Paul. Look at verse 17. But when he, when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in, the, in that day. 
And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Wow. Now, Diane, one last count. How many? 24. 24. Now, honestly, how many of you had never heard of most of these people? Some of them you had, but most of them. Paul knew who they were. And you know what? God knows who they are. And at the judgment seat of Christ, when believers are rewarded, these people, I'd I'd like to get some of these people's rewards. How about you? And you know what else these people are going to get? Not only are they going to get great rewards, they're in heaven now, so they've already got some of them, but they're going to get great rewards at the judgment seat of Christ and all of that. And then they're going to get great assignments in the millennium. Because your assignment in the millennium is based on your service to God now. Did you hear me? No matter how boring and mundane you think your service to God is, no matter how, how uh, uh, unimportant you might think your service to God is, He thinks it's important. And, and, and uh, based on your faithfulness now, that's how you're going to be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ and then in the millennium. And uh, so do what you do now with a good attitude. Find out where you're supposed to be. Find out what you're supposed to be doing. Stick with it. And even though somebody's not always patting you on the back or accolading you, you do it unto the Lord. Is that right? And God sees in secret. And what He sees in secret, one day He will what? Reward you openly. Remember that we don't get all our rewards here in this life. Some rewards, many of them, come at the judgment seat. I'm more excited about that because those are eternal Let's close with Hebrews 6.10. I, I didn't give that to them, but let's throw it up there. Hebrews 6.10. I didn't give it to my projectionist, but she's, she'll get it up there. Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unjust to what? To forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So I want to thank each and every one of you who have been with us for any length of time at all, who you have... Uh, uh, so faithfully served, you have volunteered in many different ways, you've refreshed Pastor Diane and myself, you've helped us, you've, you've helped this church to be all that it can be, and uh, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you, and I know my wife would, would agree with me, we thank you, 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 thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. Ever see Scrooge? Remember they sang that in there? But I do mean it. Thank you. But, but I tell you what, greater, greater than my thanksgiving, I do thank you. I appreciate you. I love you. But you've got a great reward coming at the judgment seat of Christ. When, 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 when you hear, well done, good and faithful servant from the Lord, that's the true reward. Okay? You okay? So we got some cake out there to, to appreciate you. So have you some cake on the way out and fellowship with one another. We love and appreciate you. You okay? All right, stand with me if you would. Just bow your heads right before we're dismissed. Don't forget to take your gospel track and, turn, and give it out this week to somebody. Let the Lord lead you and direct you where you're supposed to leave it or who you're supposed to give it to. We need to be telling people about Jesus.